Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org. Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. We're a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, a series of author-hosted podcasts uh, distributing literary content to a worldwide audience. I'm your host, Landis Wade, a recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of books and stories, and I really appreciate you being here. Very quickly, before we get to the uninterrupted interview today, a few quick words about some of the benefits uh, for our listeners. Number one, we have show notes uh, for every episode uh, with images, links, and information about our authors at charlottereaderspodcast.com. And number two, if you're into audiobooks, uh, we have a relationship with Libro.fm, which supports indie bookstores. If you sign up with Libro to get your audiobooks and use the promo code CHARLOTTEREADER, you'll get an extra audiobook free. Number three, if you go to charlottereaderspodcast.com or my personal website, landisway.com, and you sign up for the book report, you're going to get it every other Tuesday. And here's what you'll get. Recommended readings, author interviews and videos, reading and writing tips, doses of inspiration, a free ebook by yours truly, and more. We won't spam you. That takes way too much time. And finally, we've got a lot of great content that we put out on our exclusive Patreon channel. If you like what we do here, uh, that is our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words, and you'd like to help us uh, defray the costs of this project, you can jump over to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast, and you can tap into all the great extra content we've got that's curated by our authors and me about uh, their writing lives and the craft and business of writing and other things too. But enough with the prologue. Let's get to the uninterrupted story of our guest and the one they've written. In today's episode, we visit with Tracy Clark, the award-winning author of What You Don't See, the third in the Chicago Mystery Series featuring Cass Raines, an ex-cop turned private investigator. Ben Meckerson, Cass Raines' former partner from the force, convinces her to take on a security detail for the famous Vonda Allen, a one-woman media empire and rumored diva. Vonda has been receiving angry, threatening notes and flowers, but her need for control, obsession with her brand image, and overall nasty personality proved difficult. When one of her employees is murdered, Cash Rain's investigative mind takes over. In a starred review, Kirkus calls the book a gripping relationship-based procedural that drags you in and spits you out, but you will be satisfied. <laughs> Tracy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and <laughs> Wonderful <Kirk>. intro. <laughs> yeah. Con- congratulations on the third book in the Cast Rain series. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's, it's a fun mystery. It's fast paced. Uh, I read it very quickly, and I've actually, it's funny. I've got a assistant. I'll give her a little shout out, uh, Shauna Senyard. She helps me with show notes, and when she does, she reads parts of the books. And I said, well, you know. What'd you think? And she said, "Well, I couldn't stop reading. I just, I just read the whole thing." You know? <laughs> That's wonderful to hear. <laughs> Isn't that good? So, uh, fantastic. Yeah, and, and what was fun uh, for me about it is, you know, in a lot of mysteries, 
you know, you have one death, there's a body on page two, right? And then things kind of spin out. And this one, um, people are dying everywhere and you don't quite understand why. Um, and that was kind of an interesting concept to me uh, because it appeared maybe that the focus at first was going to be that Vonda Allen, this person I described in the opening, is going to get killed and she's going to investigate that. But you soon find out, no, no, that's not what's happening. What's happening is that people around Vonda, she's contagious. People around, <laughs> people around her are dying pretty quickly. And uh, so how, how did you come up with that idea uh, to, to do that? Well, you know, um, that book and every book sort of has different drafts to it. And you sort of try to find the angles. You know what the tropes are. You know what the conventions are. Uh, we know we all know what they are, but then you sort of try to twist it and angle it so it's different. So um, I think maybe one or two drafts in, I probably had it going in that direction. Uh, but then as the sort of imagination and the brain goes, I just sort of find that twist, that kink uh, to sort of put a new spin on it. So that's what I did. Um, instead of her dying, everyone around her dies. And then we have to figure out whether or not you know, what's going on? Is it her? Is she the, the thing that's happening? Or is something else going on? So you just sort of have to find that sort of twist, that angle, that little kink that's different from any other book that you've probably read in your entire lifetime. It's yeah. kind of difficult to do because everything has been written. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, you just have to find your way of sort of putting a little spin on it. Yeah, I like that because I've got a few writing life questions at the end, but uh, it, it, you sort of answered one, and that is uh, the fact that when you do these different drafts, sometimes new ideas come to you? Is that how your writing process works, that you develop more ideas as you write? That's how I do it. Um, some of our writers are really organized and they have their detailed outline and their character descriptions. And then there are the pantsers who are people like me who just sort of sit down with a blank page and start. I have a kernel of an idea uh, as I start each book. I kind of know what I want the book to be about. I know my cast of characters already. So that's something that I don't have to sort of spend a lot of time on. But the story sort of unfolds as it unfolds. Um, she's a PI in Chicago. So her case starts when the person comes into her office with a problem. And that's how I start. Uh, and I sort of follow it logically as a PI would or might. Uh, but, you know, it is fiction. So I'm sort of hyping up the conflict and the danger and all the, the ballyhoo that goes on. You know, but that's where I start. Um, someone walks into her office with a problem. She's off and running. How am I going to get to the end of it? with an exciting finish <laughs> and not a muddled middle uh, that we all have to suffer through, but to make it exciting for the reader, make them want to read on and not bore myself. Yeah. It sounds kind of like a blend of suspense and mystery because, you know, with, with mystery, you've got to drop all these hints and these clues and these red herrings, but suspense, you've got a problem or people are chasing you or you can't, you, you, know, you don't know how it's going to end. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the Stephen King philosophy, right? You put somebody in a car with a dog barking at him outside and the rest of the book's trying to get out of the car, right? Yeah. Now, my job is to make things as difficult for her as I can possibly make them. And yeah. when I make them impossible for her, I ramp it up a couple of notches just to make it interesting for me and for everybody who's reading it. So it's conflict after conflict, problem after problem, bad guy after bad guy. And it's glorious at the end when everything is sort of <laughs> wrapped up. A couple of people have died and she goes on with her life. That's great. Well, a little bit about you. First of all, shout out to Rita Pendry. She's one of our authors who appear on the show and also a listener. She recommended that I reach out to you. And I'm so glad that I did. Uh, Thank you, Rita, for that recommendation. Um, Thanks, Rita. Yeah, so um, Tracy, you're the Sue Grafton Memorial Award-winning author of this highly acclaimed Chicago mystery series. 
featuring ex-homicide cop turned PI Cassandra Rains. We're going to talk about Cassandra uh, listeners more in our Patreon episode after we're done here on this. We're going to jump over for about 30 minutes and talk about how to how to write a kick-ass uh, protagonist. In this case, it's a, an African-American woman who was a detective turned PI. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk more about that at the end. But uh, anyway, uh, Tracy, a little bit about this character now. Um, you, uh, Every author has to come up with the character they fall in love with to write about. You know, you write what you love. Uh, obviously, you must enjoy writing Cassandra Rains. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about who she is a little bit uh, for our listeners, uh, because uh, I think that there, it, this is a character that people can relate to, want to pull for. Well, um, I met Cassandra Rains, I think, when I was 12 or 13 years old. This voice sort of popped up in my head. I always knew that I wanted to be a writer, uh, but it's not something you readily voice to people in the world. Um, it's it's a kind of a difficult thing to do. I mean, who do you think you are, Hemingway? I mean, so you don't tell people that you want right. to be a writer when you grow up. Uh, right. But I always had this sort of secret desire to do that, to write books. Uh, and this voice has been in my head since 12 or 13 years old. I didn't start writing actually, you know, sitting in a desk, putting words to paper until maybe the end part of high school or the beginning of college. And then I just sort of made the decision that I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to do it. And then I started, but I had this voice already in my pocket. Um, Mm -hmm. Everything else I had to create. Uh, I had this main character. I knew I wanted to write uh, a strong African-American character. Uh, I hadn't read a lot of those characters in the mysteries that I had read growing up in you know, nine, 10, 11 years old, um, towards the latter part of my high school years and college, beginning of college, we had that sort of big wave of you know, female crime writers. 1982, we had Koretsky and uh, Marin and Muller, uh, Valerie Wilson Wesley, you know, all of these people started publishing. So I started to see that that was probably an avenue that I could pursue. And I already knew that I wanted to write crime. I already knew that I enjoyed mysteries. So I had this voice. I had this genre and I was off and running. Hmm. took several decades and I mean decades (laughs) before I sort of got to the point where it was something worth reading uh, and something that I could submit and something that might be published. So it took a lot of uh, back and forth, trial and error, learning, uh, pacing, dialogue, setting, uh, character development, voice, all of those uh, tools that writers have to use to sort of craft a believable and enjoyable story. So cast was there. Characters came as I went along. Again, I'm a pantser. So as I needed them, they showed up and uh, I sort of fleshed them out as best I could. And I was off and running. Yeah. I I saw somewhere you said you you grew up reading Nancy Drew, but Nancy was white, as I recall. Yeah. (laughs) That's where where most of the other sleuths, right? I mean, but even then, as you're reading, most readers just sort of put themselves into the Uh, main character, you know, so white, black. Yeah. I would have preferred if there were a black Nancy Drew somewhere, uh, that would have been fantastic. But as I was reading Nancy Drew, I became, of course, Nancy Drew, as most readers sort of latch on to that main character and go with the story. So, yeah. That's great. In fact, after a while, you know, you're right. As I'm reading it, I'm not thinking about the race of the character. Uh, I'm just liking who she is because uh, you talked about her in one of the articles you wrote. She, you know, she wouldn't consider herself anyone special, but she doesn't do a lot of navel gazing at the world, as you said. Her childhood was a bit messy, but she's fiercely independent, uh, self-assured, pig-headed, 
snarky, intense, unforgiving often, and but she's fiercely honest and loyal. And that comes out uh, in this book, too. There's going to be a little reading here at the midpoint where she's sort of giving her, her ex-partner the what, what for when he's trying to get her into this uh, mess with uh, Vonda Allen. Um, okay, so you talked about what you like to read as, as a child. You talked about wanting to get into this genre. Uh, you know, you won some awards with your 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 debut, Broken Places, here. And yeah, you've got three mysteries out, this being the third. You got another one coming uh in June. Um uh, did you surprise yourself uh with how well you've been accepted by readers? I know, I know authors always have this little nagging thing going on in the back of our minds. Is anybody gonna really like what I've written? Uh, but you've been very successful with this. What do you what do you attribute that to? Luck. Uh, I think part of it is luck. <laughs> you can never sort of uh, anticipate what's going to happen after you're done. Um, your main focus, I think, for most writers is to write as well a good book as you can. Uh, you're interested in beginning, middle and end, character development, all of those things. Uh, the thing that comes after um, the nominations and the awards, icing on the cake. Uh, I think when my first book, when I got sort of nominated for these best debuts and stuff like that, first of all, I didn't even realize that those were possible. Uh, you mean there are awards to this? I mean, I was that sort of focused um, from the age of whatever until I actually got my book deal. Uh, it was on the page. My eyes were on the page. My brain was in the book. I wasn't concerned about, you know, what happened after that. Um, so they were great. It's icing on the cake. Wonderful. Uh, wonderful news. Uh, great affirmation and, you know, stuff. It's great. Uh, you Now you're a part of the writing community, which is fantastic. I love the writing community. Um, so it's wonderful. Um, that's not why you write, but uh, you know it's wonderful to have them. Uh, the Sue Grafton Award was quite the surprise. Um, and I'm still sort of grinning about that. Uh, but every time I've turned a book in, I've got this feeling that <laughs> I really, <laughs> I really mucked this one up. This this cannot possibly be worthy of publication. You know, yeah. but each, but that's a constant thing. All writers are like that. I mean, right. they're never satisfied with what sort of lands on the page because it doesn't sort of match what's in the brain. But there's never going to be that point where you sort of reach perfection. There is no perfect book. There is no perfect story. You do the best you can uh, with the book you're on, and then you move on to the next one. Yeah, so, well, yeah. You certainly didn't muck this one up. In fact, it was, it was a, a very fun read, as I said. Yeah, as I'm listening to you talk, you know, you're talking about being so focused, uh, you know, on the page. It's kind of like that scene out of Caddyshack, be the ball for the authors. Maybe they had a be, be, be the page, be the page. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> be the page. All right. So let's let's do this. Uh, a little bit about the book before we uh, have you do a little reading here. All right. The title of the book is What You Don't See. And on the cover of the book, uh, which readers, uh, listeners can see in the show notes. Uh, we've got the skyline of Chicago, right? Uh-huh. It all uh, happens here. And it's uh, it's it's got this sort of dark red and sort of these eyes looking over the top there. Talk about the title, What You Don't See. Well, uh, sort of uh, pings on what's inside the book. Um, everybody or the people who should know in this book don't know. So everything that's sort of is seriously going on is sort of behind the scenes. And so that's what the title means, what you don't see. Now you're focused on what's over here and over here something else is going on. So uh, that's the plot of the book. Um, each one of the characters has something that they're blind to, uh, including uh, my main character, Cass Rains. And that's, uh, that's the meaning of it. Great. Okay, a little bit quickly before you do a reading, uh, we've got former 
homicide cop turned private eye case range. She uh, she's focused on this case that kind of centers on the dark side of a uh, celebrity. Her um, her name is Vonda Allen, glossy Vanity Magazine uh, editor, producer, manager. Uh, she's all over the Windy City. She's got everybody at her beck and call, at her feet, k- kissing her toes and her rings and her fingers and everything else. And uh, along comes Cass Rain's friend, Ben Mickerson, who she's known on the force. For he was her partner at one time, right? Right. Yeah. And 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 so he comes to her with this uh, proposition now that she's in private practice, um, and he wants her to help him form sort of a security detail for this celebrity, Vonda Allen. Uh, anything else you want to say to set up this reading uh, that you're going to do here? Just off a case when she uh, sort of meets Ben and she's sort of taking some time off and he comes up with this offer. She doesn't really want to do it, but you know, he's her pal and she does up her favor and it's $5,000 for a week. She's not impressed with that, but whatever. He's a pal. She <laughs> She's got time to spare, so she does it. All right. Well, I, I picked this section because I think it uh, gives us a little insight into the uh, personality of Cass Rain. So anytime you're ready. All right. Since when do you need a babysitter? I don't. But you're a woman and she's a woman. You're black. She's black. See where I'm going with this? Thought you might be able to get something out of her. I can't. I slanted him a look. Oh, you did, did you? She's got a lot at stake presently. There's talk she's closing in on a deal for her own talk show, and she's got a memoir coming out next week. There's going to be some fancy wine and cheese things happening, a couple book signings, some talk or other over at the Herald Washington Library. There's a lot of fresh pussing, a lot of opportunities for some nut to take a shot. I'm figuring a good look at some high-profile security, and you'll wisely find some other way to get his jollies. What about your day job? Ben tossed his crushed cup into the air and caught it. Three-week furlough started the minute I clocked out this morning. I frowned. Two bodyguards for a few crank letters. Sounds a little heavy-handed. Ben leaned back and crossed his arms against his wide chest. Maybe, but who am I to tell the not-so-idle rich how to spend her money? I drained my water bottle, but my throat was still dry. I sighed, knowing I was going to have to make a move for the fountain. You say she's difficult. Oh, she's difficult, all right. Bodyguard for a bitchy magazine peddler, I muttered. You run out of cop friends looking for an easy side job. No, but besides the female and black thing, I'd like somebody on this who can't get busted down for telling Alan where to stick her inserts. That wouldn't be a problem with you. I let a beat pass while I thought it over. I don't do big and tough in case you hadn't noticed. So you'll be lean and mean. All she's looking for is a competent buffer. I'm not mean. You're opinionated and not the least bit bashful and cocky as the day is long, also a little standoffish. I glared at him, then took a long look at my face. And you're thorny, but sweet on the inside, like a pineapple. Doesn't mean I don't appreciate your uniqueness, just letting you know I see you. Thorny, what? Bottom line her for me. For one thing, she's as aggressive as a feral pit bull. She likes head games, prying, digging, seeing how much she can get away with. All the while, she's got zero tolerance for the same kind of treatment. You wouldn't believe the turnover rate in her office. Ben let out an impressive whistle. I'd say money seems real important to her. Who has it? What she has to yank to get at it. 
and she does all her wheeling and dealing with the sincerest look of insincerity on her face. It's bone chilling, really. I can't completely rule out demonic possession. I said might explain the dear bitch. Ben chuckled, might at that. We sat enjoying the breeze, watching the joggers, the lake, the trees. No rush. Ben and I had been ridden in a cop car without killing each other. We could certainly share a bench on a slow Sunday morning without it getting awkward. This gig sounds like a real pain. Pays 5000 for the week to start. Open to re-upping if necessary. Ben nodded at the bike. More than enough to buy a pretty big pink basket for the rolling investment of yours. He stared at me and shook his head. You know, you could look a little impressed. You heard me when I said five Gs. I heard. You have got to be the only person I know who doesn't jump at the chance to put five grand away just for standing around. Seems kind of high. Why are you so suspicious? Next time I'm adding suspicious. I turned to face him. Why is it so high? He cleared his throat. Well, for one thing, there's her personality, which means she's not easy to work for. And then there are the constraints. What kind of constraints? You'll have to sign an NDA and take her secrets to the grave. My brows lifted. Say what? <laughs> okay. So, so already we see that uh, Cass Rains is suspicious of the offer. What some others might jump at, she's already asking questions. And just listeners, for the little, you heard a little bit in there, she said it might explain the dear bitch. The book starts out a few pages earlier with this uh, very crass letter that somebody, we don't know who, has written Tavonda Allen uh, that starts out with the words, uh, dear bitch. So we know that Tavonda Allen has enemies. We know that uh, Cass Rains is reluctant to get involved, but she does get involved, right? And uh, what is it that uh, what is it that makes her curious, that makes her really get involved? She's just that kind of person. Uh, she doesn't believe face value on anything. Um, Cass Reigns is the, you know, the kid in the emperor and the clothes. That's Cass Reigns grown up. All right. She's the one out of the entire crowd who's going to say, wait a minute, I call BS. Uh, <laughs> you know, she doesn't color in the lines. Uh, she's never doing anything everybody else is doing. Uh, she follows her own sort of star and she smells something going on right from the start. But again, ex-partner, best pal, doing the guy a favor. She's got the time. When this starts to unroll and she sees the sort of layers to this case, then that's where she sort of kicks in full force. And, you know, she does that everywhere all the time. Um, she's going to do that next book. Uh, that's just who she is. Well, it's got a great pace to it and, and a lot of <clears throat> fun dialogue in it too. But uh, And the setting. Let's talk about that for a second because Chicago is a place that uh, you're no stranger to. You uh, you have – how long have you lived in Chicago? Uh, my entire life. Uh, born here, raised here, work here, live here. Uh, this is my town. Okay. I read somewhere that you said uh, you don't write about Chicago because you're lazy and then you go, yeah – Maybe I'm lazy. I like to write about my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what option do I have? I would have had to sort of go, right, research someplace else that I had no idea what's going on. This I know. I know the streets. I know where people are. I know what goes on. I know where to sort of poke and look around at. Uh, so this is it. This is this is the foundation. Yeah, you said that Chicago's got a lot to offer any author, uh, particularly someone who's writing these crime thrillers like you. It's got the history, the corrupt politicians, you said decent sports teams. I guess some might argue with some of that every now and then, depending on which team you're pulling for. Uh, we have, you said you have hot dogs, pizza, 
and you call it endless material. So uh, tell us why you, why you love writing about your home, your home city. Um, I just think it's a vibrant city. I mean, we have everything here, uh, all kinds of people. Uh, we've got every area is different, south side, north side. There's that sort of battle, uh, which is best, north side, south side. That's going to go on forever. Um, but each one has their their points. Everything has their sort of good spots. Um, rich, poor, uh, working, not working. I mean, everything is here. I mean, where do I have to go? I mean, <laughs> it, I, it, I, it has everything. It just has everything. Yeah. And and as I sort of write the books, I sort of move it around. I don't sort of concentrate on south side or north side. I'm all the way at uh, the north suburbs. I uh, the one that's coming up in June. I'm all the way downstate. You know, so I'm covering wide uh, wide territory here. I just want to sort of get everybody in there. Yeah, and I imagine like you, because I'm I'm writing something now that involves my home city. But even if you've grown up in a place. Uh, Sometimes uh, you know how to get places, but you don't always remember the street name. So you have to do a little research right, right. Yourself, yourself on your home city. So it's kind of a way for you to learn more about your city, right? Yeah, I do that all the time. Um, I was somewhere and I saw a wonderful drain pipe. Um, it was big enough to sort of stick a body in. And I said, wonderful. All right. First of all, it's on a really rutted road uh, off the main course. And this was this perfect drain pipe. And I said, oh, my God, I got out. I took a picture of it. That's going to show up at some point, you know, but there are all those hidden places that you don't really normally see. Uh, but I travel around. I mean, I'm looking at places and uh, not only the areas that I know well, but maybe some of the areas that I don't know as well. And I'm looking for places to sort of uh, set things in. And that's an ongoing thing. And I always find something that I didn't know before, which is wonderful. Yeah, well, I was sort of thinking, you know, you're riding around your hometown. Oh, I didn't know that beautiful park was there. No, we're looking into the warped mind of Tracy yeah. Park here. <laughs> I mean, it was perfect. That's I mean, a, wonder, a wonderful place to hide a body. <laughs> <laughs> it is just wonderful. Uh, I have the picture. I may post it at some point, but, you know, that's going to show up. I cannot let that drain pipe go by. I mean, it's just wonderful. That's great. Um, you're also um, an editor in the newspaper industry uh, for your day job. What is it that you do? And uh, a little bit about uh, how that helps you in your own writing. Well, um, I edit uh, syndication information. So I'm doing uh, comic strips and puzzles and op-eds and uh, editorial cartoons. Uh, I edit Dick Tracy and I did Annie until uh, we sort of did away with that. And uh, Boom Hilda, I do that. Um, so, yeah, I'm editing during the day, uh, helping people out, uh, make their stuff uh, perfect. And then I sort of try to hobble through my crap. Uh, so there's a day job and then writing job, uh, all the same. Uh, you know, making it better, polishing it, making it shine. Um, I've done that for the last oh, 25, 26 years. So I've been there for quite a while. And, you know, uh, that's what I do. Uh, what it helps with in terms of the writing is the deadline. Uh, when you're in the newspaper business, you are not afforded a great amount of time to sort of think about something. You have a deadline. That thing has to be out at that time or before and you don't have a lot of time to sort of him and haul and sort of figure out how you're going to do it. Button the seat, eyes on the laptop or the computer, and you get it done. And that helps in my writing sessions a great deal because I don't have that time to sort of waffle around about it. This is my spot. This is my time. This is what I have to get done. And let's go. So That's I sort right. of sort of, sort of gonzo it uh, as I write uh, each book. I mean, get it done. 
That's great. So uh, as we're entering our sort of writing life discussion here, the abbreviated version before we jump over on Patreon, uh, you're a board member uh, at large of the Sisters in Crime, Chicagoland. You're a member of the International Thrillers Writers and a Mystery Writers of America Midwest board member. Uh, talk about how being connected to uh, uh, communities like that of like-minded writers uh, is helpful to you as a writer. Um, it is helpful. I think writers, writing is sort of a lonely business. Uh, you're sitting in a, a room by yourself, uh, working on your own stuff. Uh, when you sort of join a community and figure out that everybody is sort of going through the same thing, uh, the same problems, the same issues, the same constraints, uh, it's wonderful to sort of share that, that share that aloneness and that the stress of writing. It's, it's kind of a stressful thing. It's difficult. If it wasn't, uh, a lot of people would do it. Um, it's a difficult thing to do. It's wonderful to sort of share that weight. And in the writing community, uh, we're all sort of uh, boosting everybody else and looking out for everybody else and making sure that everybody sort of gets that shine. Uh, and it's wonderful to be on these boards to sort of figure out how we can bring more people in uh, to share that and to sort of widen this writing community. And I found it wonderful to be on both of those boards to sort of see and sort of create things that uh, writers would need and uh, sort of get them in there to get that community going. So it's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. And I've had some uh, authors on the show who are members of the Sisters in Crime chapter here in North Carolina. And mm -hmm. they even said they don't uh, discriminate. They'll let some men come join every in some of the meetings, you know? Yeah, we'll take some misters. Uh, we took in, <laughs> if you're a writer, you're in the club. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. All right. Uh, a couple more writing life questions here. Uh, you talked about your process already. You're a pantser. That must make it uh, a little difficult when you're writing a mystery because uh, you, if you're pantsing along, you could sometimes get down a path and realize, wait a minute, I got to figure out how to lay. Is that what happens in the second, third, and fourth rewrites of the book when you go back and start working on those aspects of it? For me, that happens in the first draft. Um, I always, I'm, I'm continually, always sort of writing myself into a corner. That's my process. I mean, I've just come to accept that that's my process. I'm going to write to a point where I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to have to either go back or proceed forward knowing that I'm going to come back and have to fix that hole. Um, usually for me, I have to fix it before I move on, but that's just my kink. That's how I roll. Um, but yeah, when I don't have anything written down, I don't have character descriptions. I don't have, I don't know what the plot is because I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> you know, so I'm just writing until it makes, doesn't make sense. And then I stop and I have to figure out why it doesn't make sense, figure out how I'm going to fix it and then move on. So that's my process. It probably takes me twice as long as other writers might take. Um, but that's how I do it. That's how my brain works. Uh, and I just have to accept the fact that that's it. Uh, I would love uh, to sort of have a detailed outline, you know, 20, 30 pages long, uh, telling me exactly who did it and how everything sort of, you know, I can't do it. My brain doesn't work that way. That's great. Well, two, two, two lessons I've learned today from uh, award-winning writer Tracy Clark is number one, be the page. Number two, write yourself in a corner. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because, because if you think about it, your characters, uh, you know, in a novel are always, you know, walking into corners and trying to figure out how to get out of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> I mean, and that's it's really fun doing it like that. Really. Um, you can't convince outliners that that is as fun as it is, but it is fun. Sort of getting to a point where you have no idea where you're going, having to stop and figure out how to serve the story and serve the plot. And, you know, it's kind of fun. It's kind of sort of exciting and sort of electric, electrifying to sort of 
try to do that to sort of get yourself out of that hole the best way you can and then move on. Well, I love the energy level that's coming across here. You, you're obviously very invested in these characters. You enjoy the writing process uh, quite a bit. Um, you talked about, uh, you know, how long it took you to feel like your work, uh, you know, was publishable. If What would you, and I ask this question to writers a lot, uh, what would you tell your younger writing self something of value that had she known it, uh, it probably would have helped her based upon the experience that you gained over time? I probably would th- tell my younger writing self that it's not going to be perfect. Uh, you can sit here from now until the coming of the apocalypse and it's not going to be perfect. No book is perfect. No story is perfect. You just have to serve the story, serve your characters, and give the reader an experience. Whether they like your characters or don't, uh, whether they like the story or how it sort of unfolds or don't, um, you're giving them an experience. And you have to sit there at that desk until that those words and that story sort of pop off the page. It takes a while. Uh, one draft, two drafts won't do it, uh, maybe 10, 15, maybe even 20, until it sort of sings and smells right and sounds right, right? Uh, it has to sing. And it, there's no time limit on it. You can't tell you, I, I'm going to do this in five drafts. Uh, you're going to do it until <laughs> until it works. Uh, there's no, you know, there's no other option. There's uh, whether or not it's effective or ineffective. And you can't stop until it gets to the effective stage. So I would tell my younger self to just stick with it. It's not going to be perfect. Do the best you can. Move on to the next one. That's great. Well, I've got one more question before I do. Let me just uh, remind listeners that uh, in just a moment, uh, Trace and I are going to jump over to our Patreon page. That's uh, And you can access that at uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. It's a way that uh, listeners to this free podcast can help Support this project of helping authors give voice to the written words. Uh, it doesn't cost much each month, but you get a lot of great extra content. We're going to be talking about writing the kick-ass female protagonist <laughs> detective turned private investigator, how that's done. And in this case, uh, an African-American character. Um, so one last question, um, Tracy, what do you hope that uh, you know, readers take away from your series here uh, with your protagonist, Cass Reigns? You know what? There's no message to this. Um, I'm not writing War and Peace. I am writing crime fiction, popular crime fiction. I hope the reader comes away with a really good ride. Uh, Characters they care about, uh, pacing that works for them, uh, an entertaining and engaging mystery, a puzzle to solve. That's it. I am in for the good ride. Uh, Strap them on and let's go. Uh, Make it exciting as as I can possibly make it. And that's it. I don't have any themes. I don't have any politics that I'm sort of putting in there. That's not it. This is crime fiction. This is PI fiction. This is Sam Spade in the dress. That's what this is. <laughs> that's who Cass is. Yeah. Sam Spade in a dress. Okay. A lot of great uh, quotes coming out of this episode here, I can see. Uh, well, look, Tracy, uh, I want to thank you uh, so much for being a part of Charlotte's podcast and wish you all the success uh, in your future writing. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, 
iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on. If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land. And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter. You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com.